It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. It's here. Today is the day we've all been waiting for. At 9 p.m. Eastern, my colleagues Martha McCallum and Brett Baer will be hosting the first Republican presidential debate of the 2024 election cycle, and that airs tonight on the Fox News Channel. Be sure to tune in at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, though, because I'm doing a pre-debate show with my co-anchor, Bill Hammer. So we co-anchor America's Newsroom every day, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern. So we get to do this little kickoff at 8.30 p.m. As the candidates prepare to make their case on the national stage, I'm joined by someone who will be helping me prepare for tonight's coverage. So the idea of this podcast is that I call up my friends, I ask them what I should be looking at, what I am missing, what they're considering, and you get to listen in. So today, that friend is Josh Kroshar. He is a Fox News radio political analyst. He started his career covering presidential politics with Politico. I think I, know, I don't think I knew that was how it started back in 2008 when he followed the campaigns of John Edwards and Mitt Romney. Since then, Josh has spent plenty of time traveling through New Hampshire, Iowa, and South Carolina for primaries. Josh, thanks so much for joining me today. And remind everybody where they can find your work now. You can read my column, my newsletter at Axios uh, every Sunday. Sunday Sneak gets the best reporting, best analysis, all it's the intelligence. Very good. Not if I can say so myself. It really is good. Trail. I look forward to it every time. Yeah, and we try, we try to, I mean, obviously... Uh, the presidential campaign is front and center right now, but we also do coverage of all the big Senate races, congressional races, every all the big trends that everyone's going to be paying attention to. All right. Well, so in this first segment of the podcast, there are three segments. So everybody listening along can be prepared. Get on your walking shoes and walk with us or however you are. Maybe you are carpooling your kids around. Um, OK, we are here at the debate. We have eight people who will be debating tonight. Hopefully, because one of them, Doug Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, was injured in a basketball game, went to the hospital, has been released from the hospital. Not sure if he can stand, though. So there's that. So there's eight who are here. Of course, former President Trump decided not to come to this debate, and he has said he will not do any of the Republican primary debates. We'll see if that actually happens. Maybe we start there. And let me get your take about that decision by President Trump. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's a risky decision because Donald Trump loves the spotlight and he's seating a very important spotlight tonight for the first uh, Republican presidential uh, debate. Uh, now, he thinks he has advantages. He's, he's leading in, in, in all the polls by a pretty commanding margin. Uh, he's playing in sports. We call that the prevent defense. He, he has a, <laughs> you know, a 30 point lead or so. And in, in, in I would just polls. say that Colin Reid on the debut podcast, he used prevent defense as well. And then I've heard it yet again since then. And I'm really not sure what it means. Care to explain? So, so a football team, when they have the big lead, they'll let some of the receivers catch the ball and run out the clock. And, and you know, as long as they don't lose the lead, oh, they're, okay. willing, they're willing to let the other okay. team make some moves. And look, that's what's happening tonight. That, 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 that This is a Trump, Trumpless field, but there are, you know, a lot of very compelling candidates. And the, the goal, if you're a Ron DeSantis or if you're a Tim Scott or a Nikki Haley or Vivek Ramaswamy, you, you need to kind of show that you're in the big leagues. You can kind of step up to the next level and provide a competitive challenge to the former president. 
But okay, so you think not showing up is a risk, but also in their calculus at the Trump team, would would they consider coming to the debate to also be risky? I, I honestly think that Trump is making a mistake just because. You know, even as I say that out loud, I agree with you. I, well, look, as I, I say it out loud and I'm thinking it through, I'm like, you know what? And I have always maintained at least come to the first one. You don't want to look like you're scared. I mean, there's, there's no reason for the former president to, to be running scared of, of Ron DeSantis. I don't think he looks scared, else. though. I think he looks like he feels like he's got it wrapped up. It, but Yes. And but does he? The, the risk, though, is that if Ron DeSantis has a good debate performance, if he can turn around, uh, you know, having a rough, rough stretch, he's back in the game. Mm-hmm. If Tim Scott has a great moment and he, he surges from 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 the debate tonight, you know, all of a sudden that's a situation that if Trump was here and he could actually go back and forth with some of these rivals, he might have been able to, to, to prevent that from happening. But you're right, Dana. He he is in a commanding position, not just in the national polls, but he, you know, in Iowa, he is up uh, by double digits against Governor DeSantis and every other Republican in the field. Um, there's plenty of time left. The campaigns are just beginning to air ads, get noticed, do all the, yeah, do all the events in, in those states. Bit, because it, this morning in the Washington Post, they had a piece about favorability for all of these eight candidates and, and also former President Trump. And Trump has universal name ID. He doesn't have to worry about that. What I was surprised about, partly because I cover this every day and you cover this every day, and you have to remember, that's not how people in America are thinking or looking at politics. The name ID for some of these candidates is really down. We assume that everyone pays attention to Mm -hmm. politics like you and I do, Dana. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that's not the case. People often focus they on, have on the campaigns. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they have lives. They, they actually, you know, take the kids to school. They're, they're busy watching things other than what's happening on a daily basis on the campaign trail. And I think that's good news. That, that's a good reality for the other Republicans running against Trump, because you're right. You know, DeSantis is pretty well known at this point um, as governor of Florida with the, the successes he's had there. But look, you know, there, there are a lot of other Republicans that just don't have Well, that the number for, that really surprised me was Senator Tim Scott. His name ID is way down and he has spent a lot of money and ads so far. Of course, a lot of those I know are in Iowa and New Hampshire. He's been doing a lot of earned media and yet it doesn't seem to have made a dent. Well, there's time and, and he's just beginning to spend money to introduce mm-hmm. himself to, you know, if, you, if you're in New Hampshire, as I was a few weeks ago, if you're in Iowa, you see ads. Uh, you're starting to see ads of all the all the candidates. Uh, Doug Burgum, who mm-hmm. hopefully he does make the stage tonight, but he's he's fairly wealthy. He's been actually also spending money on ads mm-hmm. in in these early states. Um, look, the thing that if you're Tim Scott, I think Nikki Haley is in the category. DeSantis, uh, even to a lesser extent, Ramaswamy. The, the their favorables are good. Their favorables are not. They're actually in some cases better than mm-hmm. than Trump's. Tim Scott. Uh, has, has is one of the best liked candidates mm-hmm. in this field. So as he gets better known, uh, his bet is that he can catch up. He can he can cut into the lead that that Donald Trump has. The challenge, though, is that he hasn't been attacked. A lot a lot of these folks haven't been attacked yet. Trump has focused on DeSantis. He hasn't focused right. much on anyone else. And once someone mm-hmm. else gets altitude, it's going to be a real test for them to see if they can keep pace with, with the former president. I remember uh, former President George W. Bush, who I worked for, of course, he used to say for candidates. You have to show that you can take a punch, throw a punch, and get up off the mat. And we don't know who, who mm. can do that, right? I mean, we, except for DeSantis. Who, well, Chris Christie can throw a punch. Well, he he can he can <laughs> throw a punch, but Trump's not going to be there. So, mm-hmm. and and frankly, that's two of the best debaters on this stage tonight, Dana. Chris Christie, I would put number one. I, I think Mike Pence. I mean, he had some really mm-hmm. strong debates against the the current vice president. 
those are also the two Republicans that are not trusted by a lot of the the, mm-hmm. the Trump the base. base. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting. You know, if Chris Christie ends up winning this debate, that might actually be good for Trump because I don't think he views mm-hmm. the former New Jersey governor mm-hmm. as, as a serious threat. And and you know, same for Pence. Pence, Pence uh, because of everything that's happened since since he left office, uh, there's been a lot of bad blood between the two, and a lot of a lot of voters that are aligned with Trump just do not view the former vice president favorably. So, you know, these are two good debaters and I think they're going to have their moments tonight, but can they get the momentum from a debate in a way that others could? Okay, last question in this segment. The Des Moines Register poll from this week, gosh, was that just two days ago? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) It's like a long week. Okay, so two days ago, the Des Moines Register poll comes out and that's a pretty well-respected poll generally, usually. And cells are one of the the best pollsters out there. So 52% of registered and like or likely Republican voters. Do you know if it was registered or I believe likely? It's, it's people who are planning to planning to vote. Okay, caucus, yeah. so they are caucus goers. They said that they are open to persuasion. They are looking for a candidate. So that means, I think, and I'd love your expertise on this, that there is a contest here. That this is not already sewn up. There is the opportunity for Republicans to to, to narrow that. I mean, Trump is only at about forty one percent in that poll, so he's not at a majority. The problem for everyone else is the, the the people who want someone different are dividing their support with, between the, the other candidates. And, and the one really tough number for uh, anyone running against Trump in that poll, over half of Republicans don't want to see the other Republicans criticize Trump, criticize Trump. Mm-hmm. So there's this catch 22 where I don't think you're going to hear Chris Christie, I think, is going to be the big exception. But I don't think you're going to hear Trump's name a whole lot because Republican voters, even those who may want someone else as the nominee, don't want to hear criticism by and large. And of, so of this Donald is Trump. the chance for a lot of these candidates to make a first impression all across America. It's 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 a chance to put their best face forward and, and to focus on policy, to really mm-hmm. show voters paying attention for the first time on Fox, who has a strong conservative record of, of leadership. I'm so excited. We've got a great debate coming up. All right, Josh, that wraps up this segment. But before we head to the break, I've got a candidate quotable. Which presidential candidate is responsible for the following statement? I think there's a role for everyone to play. It's just that I'm running for U.S. president. I'll tell you what the U.S. president can do that's most effective. Shut down the Department of Education. Don't go away. We'll have that answer coming up. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. All right, we're back with Perino on politics. For this segment, Josh, I want to ask you what's missing from the conversation. What do you listen for or watch ahead of tonight's debate or even at the debate? What is it that, from your perspective, makes for a good debate or could be a fatal moment? Yeah, well, number one, I look for which politicians can actually speak the language of average Americans. Um, One of the issues I think that Ron DeSantis has had early on in his campaign is that he kind of gets stuck in like the internet jargon. And these days it's all too easy to kind of assume everyone focuses on politics. Everyone's following the latest disputes on social media and they end up not really speaking to the average voter. This is going to be the, there are going to be millions of people watching on Fox, many of whom are not paying attention on on a, on a daily, daily basis. And this is going to be an opportunity for them to speak in a very homespun, simple way to, to talk about the issues that they care about. Um, DeSantis has had trouble doing that. So it's a big test. Can I stop you there? Because it's interesting. If you think about all of these candidates, 
and I think I'm correct. Thankfully, there's not 24 candidates like in 2016 where I can't remember all the names. But I'm just going down the, the going across. I believe that all the ones on the stage tonight didn't come from big political dynasties. They are self-made people. They work their way up. So you would think that they could all talk to regular Americans. But sometimes it's hard. It is. And if you're in politics for a while, um, sometimes you get caught into the politics speak. Uh, and it's so annoying. And it's easy. It's, it's all too easy to do that. I mean, look, I, I spent some time with Nikki Haley a few weeks ago. I think she's actually very uh, talented at having that kind of uh, ability to communicate to, to, to average voters. She's someone who has on paper strong favorability with both Trump aligned conservatives and more traditional conservatives. Mm-hmm. So she's someone who has an opportunity to make, make a really uh, positive impact tonight. You know, Tim Scott, I think, is someone who fits that category from cotton to Congress. That That's a stump speech, inspiring story. I mean, just yeah. listening to to how he kind of started out his career and where he is right now. Um, it's inspirational, regardless of whether you're going to support him for president or not. Um, and Ramaswamy, Vivek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, entrepreneur. And, you know, he's an outsider. He, he is an entrepreneur. Um, he I think there are a lot of questions we want to hear about his record. I'm excited to kind of hear from Brett and Martha and kind of I think we'll get to hear about where he stands on policy issues for the first time because he's he's a newcomer. He hasn't been mm-hmm. involved in politics. That's part of his appeal. But it also could be a downfall if he can't articulate some of his positions clearly. How long does it take during a, a debate like this for you to suss out who's the winner? Uh, you know, I like to kind of well, one thing I like to do is kind of filter out the noise, like okay. not, not not go on Twitter or X okay. or whatever and just kind of kind of have my own instinct on who 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 I think connects. That's great most. advice. I'm going to take that. I'm going to I'm actually think that I'm going to get to be inside. On the previous years I do the I've done post debate analysis. I don't have to do that tonight because I'm getting up early to do America's newsroom. So I will actually have the for the first time ever, I'll get to be there and my phone will not be with me. Yeah, I, I always almost feel like I get when, when the spin starts coming in and you it almost kind of can make things more kind of harder to read. But you know, I think usually with these debates you get a real sense of who comes out on top and who does. I mean, I think usually it's 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 actually pretty clear um, who had a good debate and who didn't. So, I mean, look, I like I said, Chris Christie is someone who I'm has a real talent for the for this debate. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he won a bunch of debates. Didn't mean he did well in the 2016 primary, but you know, he's someone I'm going to be watching closely. Um, but look, there are a lot of other candidates that haven't been on this type of stage, and they're going to really be tested for the first time. And what about the Biden team? So earlier this week. Uh, Olivia Dalton, who's a deputy press secretary, she was asked if Biden will be watching the debate. And she said, oh, I certainly hope not. Like basically hoping that he has a better night. But they're watching. And what are they watching for? Well, I, I kind of wonder if they're thinking whether Biden can kind of debate, you know, how, how effective mm-hmm. he would be uh, when we look ahead to a general election mm-hmm. debate. Because, um, look, he, he the, 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 that's going to be a big factor looking ahead to the general election. Look, I, I, talking to some some folks in, in the White House, I, I think DeSantis was a big concern of theirs, and, and they were worried about his potential appeal early on. I think they're now much more focused on Donald Trump. Well, yeah, Trump. and you knew that because the media started coming after DeSantis and the Biden people were really going after him as well. And then they ha- backed off because DeSantis's numbers have been sort of stagnant or descended. To that point, they're going to be focused on what they see as sort of the extreme MAGA-aligned rhetoric. So they're, they're going to be paying attention. Uh, on issues from Ukraine to economic policy to abortion, trying to find. I, mean, I remember in the 2020 Democratic debates where you would have every candidate 
say these things that were like came back to bite uh, mm-hmm. them in in, in, in in the general election uh, on immigration, on, on all kinds of cultural issues. Um, primaries can tend to pull candidates too far to, to the extremes. Joe Biden, to his credit, in that election kind of stood his ground where, where he's always been. And I think we'll see who is um, and I think Democrats are going to be at least watching who may make some comments that could come back to bite them mm-hmm. in, in, in the general election. A lot of these candidates get offended if you suggest that you, they are running to be the vice president, right? Because they are they will say, I am running to be president. But I wonder if at the White House they are looking at this stage and thinking which one of these people might debate Kamala Harris. Yeah, I mean, no one wants to acknowledge that they're running for the number two spot. That that that's never something that you're going to hear in in a, in a presidential campaign. You know, I, because this is such an unusual election where you have Trump facing these these four indictments. We don't know exactly how the legal process is going to you know suss itself out. You know, I I almost feel like these candidates are almost running in the anticipation that something un, unusual right. happens next year, and and maybe Trump can't run or. You know, the, the, Do you put Gavin Newsom in that category? Well, Newsom is certainly keeping an eye on Joe Biden and whether he's <laughs> right. So he's the governor of California thinking, maybe I have to step in here. Look, you hear Republican because of Trump's legal situation. You hear Republicans wondering if Trump is ultimately going to be able to, to, mm-hmm. to run in, in, in 2024. And Democrats are wondering openly um, or maybe not so openly, but but the, Dean Phillips and other other Democrats are concerned about Biden's age and whether mm-hmm. he's going to have the stamina and health to, to, to run when he's 80. Uh, over 80 years old. He'd be 86 at the end of a second term. I mean, that that talk about what average Americans think. I mean, I think most Americans, no matter what your politics, no matter what your ideology is, you look at uh, a president who's going to be 86 at the end of a second term. And it's it's something that really gives them some They're pause. not comfortable with it. All right. That will end our second segment. But before we go, here is the answer to your candidate quotable. But let me have you listen to it. Here you go. I think there's a role for everyone to play. It's just that I'm running for U.S. president. I'll tell you what the U.S. president can do that's most effective. Shut down the Department of Education. And that is Vivek Ramaswamy getting a lot of attention, this young man. All right, don't go away. More Perino on politics up next. All right, we're back with Perino on politics. Josh, I want to close the episode of the podcast with a look ahead, because what happens after the debate? Back to the campaign trail and and raising money. Straight to Iowa or straight to New Hampshire? I think Iowa is going to be the I mean, if, if Trump wins Iowa and he's leading in, in, in the latest polls, uh, it's going to be hard for anyone to, uh, you know, to unseat his 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 front runner position uh, that may lock up Trump the nomination. Um, New Hampshire is an interesting state because independents can vote. It has a more quirky, uh, independent minded electorate. But, yeah, I mean, I- Iowa is the state that Trump lost. I mean, that, that was I remember. Four years ago, when Ted Cruz won Iowa, I think a lot of a lot of conventional wisdom was that Trump was not going to have the staying power. Or it was eight eight years ago that Trump wouldn't wouldn't have the staying power, and he ended up winning New Hampshire, ended up winning South Carolina, and, and the rest is history. Uh, but look, so I, if Trump can win Iowa and win over the evangelical voters, it can win over a lot of people who at one point had some skepticism of him. I mean, I think he's he, he's on a, gl- a glide path to, to the nomination. Hmm. And then the question about electability, right? So. I asked one of the voters in Wisconsin, do you think about that in terms of which one of these candidates, if you're thinking of supporting one of them, is it always on your mind? Could they actually beat Biden in the future? And as I recall in past campaigns, you have sort of taught me that that's not necessarily how people think about things. That might be how consultants and strategists and reporters and analysts think about it. That's not necessarily how voters think about it. They 
might like Tim Scott and say, I believe in him. And therefore, that's how I'm going with and not worry about electability. But is that different now? So Republican voters have shown that they actually care more about someone who represents their values and, and agrees with them on the issues over like that Iowa poll that we, we just talked about. It was like a two to one margin where, where they don't care as much about electability. They want someone who represents what they believe. So that, that electability, I, I DeSantis was one of the candidates who tried to kind of make that argument. And it didn't really work. It, it kind of fell flat. And I think uh, that that's not the move, the, the, the pragmatism, the who can beat Joe, Joe Biden. Look, I think I think a lot of Republicans think anyone could beat Joe Biden. You look, and, and by the way, I, not that everyone's looking at all these polls, but pretty much every poll that's been conducted in the last few months shows a Trump Biden matchup very close within a point. And of, DeSantis Trump, I mean, DeSantis and, Biden. Yeah. So so like, I mean, just on paper, I, I think there's good reason to think that a former president with the indictments that he's facing it may have mm-hmm. trouble winning a general election, but the polls don't yet show that point. And, and also, look, I, Biden, is, his, his numbers are almost as poor as Trump. And he's not campaigning. So what is the White House thinking? Well, <laughs> sometimes it may be better to keep him in the White House than, than to go on. But he's made quite a few gaffes, um, mm-hmm. including in Hawaii. And he's been um, on vacation for about six weeks. And I usually am fine with presidents taking vacation, but this to me seems extreme. Well, and he, I mean, during COVID, he he had the basement strategy. Yeah. And, it, you know, frankly, it worked. He played, it, speak, that mm-hmm. was the prevent defense. Strategy, <laughs> right? uh, he, he, he kind of had the lead. He hung on to it still won the election. And I don't know if that will work. I actually know that won't work in 2024, given that there are a lot of voters that have concerns about his vibrancy and age and health. So he's going to have to get out there. Um, you know, he's, been, you know, he's been traveling. He was in Hawaii this week. He's, he's been, he has been on the campaign trail a little bit. But what about the fact that he never talks to the press? I mean, as a former press secretary, I am shocked by that, that the press corps allows, well, I shouldn't say allow, but doesn't raise more of a stink about it. They just sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a double standard. I mean, yeah. he's not if he got the Bush treatment, I, I think we'd have a lot. If Maui worse. got the Katrina treatment. Yeah, I mean, well, Hawaii, I mean, my goodness, like his comments in Hawaii, his, his, mm-hmm. his seeming detachment from what mm-hmm. has been just a And also, what about the crisis. Hunter Biden investigation? How do you think about that? Well, look, I, I think we're going to learn more. The House Republicans, James Comer, is, is investigating. The more we learn, at the very least, we know that the, the White House has not been truthful about the extent of the ties mm-hmm. that then vice president had with these mm-hmm. business partners of his of his sons. So, the, you know, the, there's a lot of smoke there. And the last thing you want uh, if you're in a White House uh, running for reelection is having these surprises come up mm-hmm. at the last minute. And now you have a special counsel who's going to be, uh, you know, looking into some of these details. Uh, OK, two more questions. One is the issue of abortion. So here we are. We are in Wisconsin. And last April, there was a special election for a state Supreme Court position. This was the most expensive special election in state history. I think they spent a billion dollars. It was in something insane on this. And the woman who was more on the pro-choice uh, or pro-abortion positioning, she won by a lot. There wasn't a great candidate on the Republican side, but still, it was a big one. Wisconsin is a state Republicans need to win in order to win enough votes to win in the Electoral College. What's happening here in Wisconsin? Well, if, if 2020 or if 2000 with Bush Gore was Florida, 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 the whiteboard mm-hmm. with, you know, yes. Carl's, we're now in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin uh, territory. This is the state that really is going to decide mm-hmm. the, the election. And it's a state that is getting a little bit more conservative, but it's sort of a 
you know, these working class voters, both, you know, in the Milwaukee area and across the state, um, they, they've moved towards the, the Republican Party, but they're not as socially conservative. The, the, the issue of abortion, for example, is not the motivating factor for a lot of these Trump voters, these people who will vote Republican. And that's a challenge because that Supreme Court election was a signal that voters were concerned that the Republican Party has gone too far to the right on, on abortion. Look, I think voters would support like a 16-week restriction with protections for the, the life of the mother and for rape and incest and so on. But in Wisconsin, in the state of Wisconsin, the legislature in Wisconsin, controlled by Republicans and in some of these other swing states, they've gone further than that. They've, they've gotten- well, and, and the pro-life supporters would not accept a 16 weeks. And that's the challenge. Sometimes yeah. you have to, you've got to keep your coalition together and, you, and to win a swing state like Wisconsin, you've got to make sure you've got the people that are in the middle on that issue. Okay, my favorite question, mostly because I don't want to be caught out. What am I missing? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I was missing for uh, a, a lot of time on, on the trail, which is that, you know, outsiders really do sell. Uh, and, and having the taint, if you will, of politics is a bad thing in, in today's Republican Party. It's how Donald Trump was able mm-hmm. to win in 2016. And, and frankly, I underestimated someone like a Vivek Ramaswamy, mm-hmm. who is polling in you know third place, second mm-hmm. place in a couple polls. Uh, there's a real there's a real hunger. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. talk to voters. I, I was out in New Hampshire and Iowa earlier this year. You know, voters are inherently skeptical of anyone who holds political office, anyone who is a politician. And so for someone, and maybe they, you know, the, we saw Herman Cain, we saw Ben Carson. They're, they're Let always... me mention something. One of the candidates, I won't say who, has, as in a, in a way that was a compliment, suggested that Vivek Ramaswamy is the Ben Carson of this race. He, he certainly fits that role. And there is this hunger for like an out, someone who's not tainted by politics. And someone who can communicate well. Who can talk, who, who has accomplishments in a different, Ben Carson was an incredibly accomplished uh, surgeon and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is a very accomplished venture capitalist. Uh, that That is what a lot of Republican voters are looking for. They think Washington is the and, and I think they're, they're right a lot of the time that it's the swamp and mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it, you know, it corrupts a lot of the lifetime politicians that serve there. You know, there are governors that that have perhaps better executive it's you say that Governor Walker on the show today said that the biggest mistake he made on the stage in 2016 was that he listened to too much to the D.C. consultants and he lost his instincts. Authenticity matters a lot. I mean, people know when you're faking it um, yeah. and people know when you're real. And uh, that I think that is also a big appeal for folks like like Vivek. Loved having you on Perino on Politics. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before you go, I've got a little pop quiz. Okay. It's really easy, though. OK, right. this is fun trivia. You get to choose from three categories, presidential pets, candidate LinkedIn or campaign slogan. I'll do campaign slogans. Oh, wow. OK, that's bold. But, you know, your politics. Okay. All right. Campaign slogan. Don't swap horses in the middle of the stream. Was this candidate's campaign slogan? Abraham Lincoln, Richard Nixon, or Tony Stark? Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll go with uh, Richard Nixon. It was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, what? I didn't know that. Isn't that interesting, the things you can learn on Perino on politics? That was was a tough one. (laughs) Thank you for being here, and thanks for the team helping us put this together. That wraps up this special episode of Perino on Politics. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.